Summer may be easy and breezy and relaxing for some, but for others, it can be routine as normal and busy and hectic and relentless with family coming into town, vacations, work not letting up, kids out of school, and so on. And I've noticed that when busyness comes into my life, it can cause me to not be so present with my family, with my people, and also it tempts me to forget to prioritize Jesus. So this may surprise you, but something mega practical that I have been doing in my life is automating and making something like a household task that I have to do all the time, no matter the season, so much simpler. And for us, that has been Thrive Market. Thrive Market is an online grocery store that restricts 1,000 plus harmful ingredients and only sells the best and yummiest quality because they care about you. Ordering on their easy app and getting things delivered to my literal doorstep in days is a huge stress reliever and it saves me time so I don't have to give up my other precious time or energy this summer. This last order we received a few days ago, we got the Simply Protein Cookies and Cream Bars and it is literally the yummiest protein bar I've ever tried. Hunter's even trying to steal some of them. We even saved $20 on last week's order. And hey, if you're still not convinced, they have a price match guarantee. I mean, say less, right? So this summer, save time and money and shop Thrive Market today. Go to thrivemarket.com slash truth talks and get 30% off your first order. Plus you get a free $60 gift. That's T-H-R-I-V-E market.com slash truth talks. Thrivemarket.com slash truth talks. Hi sis, welcome to Truth Talks with Tara. The purpose behind this podcast and online ministry is to help beautiful women like yourself know, love, and live God's truth. Not only will this be a space of truthful, faith-filled talks, it will also be a place where we let God's word speak for itself, because God's truth speaks. My name is Tara, and I'm your host, but you can call me your sister. Join me each week as we talk about the truth of God's word and how it can ignite us with purpose. We'll talk about God's word, how we're called to live, challenging topics, and grow in faith together. My prayer is that God would use this podcast to encourage and equip our hearts. Let's be women who love His truth, live His truth, and spread His truth. Hello, my beautiful friend. How are you doing today? I am so excited for multiple reasons. One, for this episode, and two, because I am recording my first episode of my new office. If you haven't seen the news over on Instagram where I kind of keep um, you updated with real life, in about seven days, Michael and I will be getting married. Actually, seven days from when I am recording this right now, but So I set up in our new office in our new rental home. And so I have my office really transitioned over here. I haven't moved in yet again, like I said, but I have my office equipment, which is so exciting. But I am finally sitting down to do the first episode in this new office and it feels like home. I am too excited about all the things God's going to be doing through this space, but That's not what the episode is about today. I'm going to try to make this intro pretty short because I have a feeling this is going to be a long episode. So I have been wanting to talk about progressive Christianity for a long time, whether that would be on the blog, on Instagram, or this podcast. And I feel like it's been coming up more in conversations with you on DMs and just conversations with other people in real life and even just in our world and seeing it invade a lot because it is stinking everywhere so 
So for this episode, we're going to be talking about what progressive Christianity is, why it's not really Christianity at all, its dangers to us and to the world, and how to stand firm against it in our own lives. Because, spoiler alert, even as Christians, it's, you know, things can get kind of twisted and things can invade even secular worldviews like this. So this is very important to hear even as Christians and then also to make sure that we have eyes and ears that are discerning that can pick this out when we're listening to preachers on podcasts or preachers online or even just people in our own lives that we follow in person and online. So I am really, really hopeful for this episode. Let's just dive in. Okay, so like I kind of laid the groundwork, the foundation, just a few seconds ago, the world, meaning anything secular, when you hear a Christian saying the phrase the world, they really mean anything against God, something secular. The world has a really impressive way of making things look attractive to us, things that are bad or against God. The world makes things seem harmless. I'm sure you can think of even a social media post or something, and it seems harmless harmless when they're actually detrimental to our faith and to our lives and like completely opposite of what God says. So progressive Christianity and its beliefs are one of those harmful things that might look attractive, but it's actually really, really horrible at its core. And we need to armor up as believers and know this. So I want to read a statistic when we start, and it's pretty staggering. When I read this, I was pretty floored. In 2020, which was last year, a recent survey showed that one-third of self-described evangelicals, meaning evangelical Christians, do not believe that Jesus Christ is truly God. Let that marinate for a second. That's really heavy to think that one-third of self-described people that would say that they're Christians don't believe that Jesus is truly God. So that's going to kind of lay the groundwork for the rest of this and how progressive Christianity kind of plays a role in that. So about 100 years ago, I'm really excited to dig into the history of this too with you. So stick with me, I promise. About 100 years ago, this book, Christianity and Liberalism, was written by a Presbyterian scholar. His name was J. Freshman Machen, M-A-C-H-E-N. He wrote this book about 100 years ago to warn people against this version of faith. Now, when this was going on 100 years ago, which again, nothing new under the sun. These beliefs have been around for forever. But when he wrote this, he called it liberalism, but it's basically progressive Christianity. So the liberal Christianity of Machen's day focused on a social reform agenda. So basically, I'm going to break this down. Don't worry, you're never going to get lost in this episode. This is just a fancy way of saying a change or or adaptation to the way people were living. That's what a social reform means. Namely, what people were believing. People a few hundred years ago thought that Christianity, Jesus, God, and salvation needed an update. Like literally like an update that your phone goes through where things change and little minor things are twisted but actually make a big difference. That's what they thought, which there's an alarm going off there already. So this social reform was fueled by feelings and informed by secular thought, meaning it was fueled by what people thought and what they felt in the moment. And it really wasn't informed by God or by the word, which don't you think that Christianity should be informed by the word? So Right away, this is concerning. People back then and even now were calling themselves Christians, but it was fueled by anything but the gospel. So again, I don't like calling this progressive Christianity. And I would say that a lot of people don't either because this is really straying away from what Christianity is. The God that progressives 
progressive Christians preached was not sovereign over creation. We're going to break down now the different things that they believed in. So the first thing was about God. They didn't believe that he was sovereign over creation, that he did not come in the flesh as Jesus. They basically didn't believe in the Trinity. And he. they believed that God did not perform miracles through Jesus or Jesus did not rise from the dead. Another thing is that the Bible was not considered by progressives fundamental, decisive, or even the inherent word of God. Basically, this fancy wording means that progressives then and still do believe that the Bible was not the final authority for our lives. So it wasn't truth. It wasn't foundational. It wasn't something that we should base our lives off of. So things had to be understood according to or filtered through our evolving scientific knowledge and politics. I'm kind of waving my hands around because that's how just crazy it sounds. So picture this. It's like taking God, Jesus, salvation, and his word, and really anything to do with the truth and the gospel, and dumping it through a strainer. You know, like those strainers you use at home to separate your macaroni and cheese from your water. So now picture that strainer as people's feelings, sins, politics, and anything worldly. People were shoving true Christianity and God through this worldly strainer, and it was squeezing God out of it. There might have been tiny remnants, but when you pollute the whole thing, it it really didn't end up to much. Okay, so does this sound like Christianity? No, this isn't Christianity at all. This is another religion entirely, right? I mean, this is another gospel. You you know, some people may say that, okay, there's hints of God in there, but this isn't. When you remove the truth and the gospel of it, it really isn't. And we're going to get into more of that. But that's why, again, I don't love saying progressive Christianity because it implies that this is still a sort of Christianity when there's only one way. We'll get into that more, but... Um, To continue on, in Machen's day, remember, keep tracking with me, the guy that wrote this book, they called it liberal Christianity, but our day right now, 2021, as I sit here, we see it as progressive Christianity. And so the enemy, Satan, and the depravity of man has really twisted it, progressive Christianity, to seem like Jesus's gospel when it is clearly not his gospel. So on the surface, when you're looking right just at eye level, it may seem legit. There may be parts that we talk about that kind of seem legit. And these progressive Christians and theologians use thoughtful Christianese words. It may seem valid and it may have small things that line up within the Christian worldview. But here's the kicker. Listen to this. This is where it sets apart from Christianity progressives aim to be seen as more acceptable and likable than the real version of faith. Progressives want Christianity to be more likable. Oh my gosh, that is so alarming. Let me read to you. I looked up on progressivechristianity.org. Literally, I found this and copied it from their website. Let me read you what they believe. And no, I didn't make this up again. This is from their literal website. So Let's listen to this. Um, They say, by calling ourselves progressive Christians, we mean that we are Christians who, number one, believe that the following believe that following the path and teaching of Jesus can lead to an awareness and experience of the sacred and the oneness and unity of life. Number two, affirm that the teachings of Jesus provide but one of many ways to experience the sacredness of one life. And that we can draw the diverse sources of wisdom in our spiritual journey. And two, seek community, or sorry, three, seek community that is inclusive of all people. 
Number four, know that the way we behave towards one another in this fool's expression of what we believe. And number five is find grace in the search of understanding and believe there is more value in questioning than in absolutes. So there are a few more, but I'm just going to stop there. So there are some obvious ones that really stick out as to being awful, but if you didn't really know better, if we didn't know better, that might sound good. You know, they use words like Jesus, sacred, oneness, unity, community, teaching, spiritual, wisdom. They use nice words. But even that first one, they believe that following Jesus can lead to an awareness of something. Not life, not salvation, not the only way. An awareness of something mystical, okay? And then the other one they said was that they affirm the teachings of Jesus as only one way to know life. Again, we're going to dig into it. That's not what Jesus says. Spoiler alert, we're going to talk about a verse that says Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus does not say that there's other multiple ways like people are saying in this little snippet I grabbed off their website. That's pretty concerning, but I wanted to just kind of set the ground for what we're going to be talking about. So I want to just really encourage us in this next part, and it is how to spot progressive Christians in the world or how to spot um, these beliefs. Because let's be honest, like I have read social media posts, I have followed people, I have listened to sermons on YouTube or even gone to churches in other states or even in my state and I have listened to it and on the surface it sounds pretty darn good. You know, it's encouraging. It's, the, you know, the preacher's hyped up or amped up, but when we dig into it and we look a little deeper and the Lord convicts us, we're like, man, that is not Christianity. That is a false gospel. And so I want us, God wants us more than more than I want us, but God wants us to be people who can spot these false doctrines and these things are going to lead us astray because we as Christians need to stand firm not only for our own faith but for how we teach and we live in front of other people because we are a witness and Christianity has to be laid on that foundation of Christ and if we let these other beliefs sink in it's going to be our whole body is going to be polluted so I want to also just share along with how we can spot it and things that kind of set progressive Christianity apart is also what we should be concerned about and what should kind of not scare us, but just really make us weary of this. So we're going to talk about some of the beliefs that progressive Christians have and how they differ from what we believe in Christ. So the first one we're going to talk about is progressive Christianity or progressive liberalism has a low, inaccurate view of Jesus Christ. So Let's compare progressives' view of Jesus versus our view as true Christians. So progressive Christianity believes that Jesus is not and will never be and was never the divine son of God, but he was only a nice moral example for us to follow. So basically, people that believe this, they consider him to be a nice, good guy, insert air quotes, a good role model. He's just a big brother that sets a pattern and we walk in his footsteps, maybe much like your favorite celebrity or role model. Sure, we are supposed to follow Christ's pattern. Like, I mean, we're called to live and emulate Christ, right? The Bible tells us that. But progressives make that Jesus's main thing, like his only thing. They say that Jesus is just a picture of who we can be. It's When they say this, it's lowering Jesus' sovereignty, his power, and even the purpose of why he came. So now let's look at what do true evangelical Christians believe about who Jesus was and who Jesus is. So 
I'm sure this is no surprise to you. We believe that Jesus was and is God incarnate, meaning God in flesh came down to earth. He is a part of the Holy Trinity, Father, Son, and Spirit. He became a man in flesh, yet was still fully God in all respects. His purpose was to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins on the cross. Humanity had a death sentence through sin. I mean, thanks Adam and Eve. I mean, but it's true. Since the beginning of time and needed a remedy. So more than just a sacrifice or lamb, that was Jesus. He was more than just a good example that makes us feel better about ourselves. He fulfilled, Jesus fulfilled everything he said. And not only was he our salvation and atonement and our and our rescue, he is also going to come back and return for us, uniting all of us as believers who has put their faith in God into heaven. And so that's just so different from the low view that progressives have of Jesus. So that's one to watch out for. And number two is that progressives are focused on moralism, not salvation in Christ by faith alone. So we know Ephesians 2, 8 through 9, Ephesians is one of my favorite books. Chapter 2, verse 8 and 9 talks about how we know that salvation is through faith and Jesus alone. And it's not through our works, meaning it's not through any strength of our own. We can't be quote unquote good enough on our own to gain salvation. There isn't a goodness meter to hit before we can enter heaven and be covered by Jesus. It's not like us trying to strive and reach these different levels of goodness and holiness and, and this tier of perfection perfection. No, we know that it's through Christ alone, right? It's through Jesus's blood on the cross and simple yet bold faith to trust him. But here's another error of progressive Christianity. They believe that you just have to follow rules. That's moralism. That you just have to be kind to your neighbor, basically legalism. It completely rids ourselves of true love, motive, and faith in Christ, and it turns people into robots that just do things for the reward. It takes the focus off loving the Savior and onto following rules. It's like, if I am moral, then I'm good. If I make moral decisions, then I can get into heaven. If I make good moral decisions, I'm going to get into another level of heaven. That's what some people believe. And so this is so opposite of what true Christian beliefs are about faith in Christ alone. So number three that we're going to talk about to spot and to be um, just on alert about is um, progressive Christians tell us that we're, we as people are not really fallen humans and that we don't really need saving as much as people say. So just like we said earlier, progressives say that you can be a good person on your own, right? We were just talking about moralism. You can do things and make yourself good, which in turn takes a very low view of sin, right? Which is very real in Christianity. They're basically saying that people in mankind isn't really fallen. We're not really sinful. We're not really that bad, like God's word says. And everyone is truly good and moral at their core, right? Like I'm actually, like when people say you're a good person, you're, you have a good heart, you know? And in this dangerous cult-like religion that I'm going to call progressivism or legalism, you almost become your own savior in a way, right? There's no need to talk about sin. And actually progressives don't want to talk about sin because they want to make things look more attractive. Sin's not easy to talk about. And they don't really think it's an issue. And so everything we come across is easily overcome by our own works, deeds, science, and even the tools of the world, right? We don't need a savior. Anyone who believes in progressive Christianity doesn't like to talk about the wrath of God or sin or evil or consequences. God, just like Jesus, is considered not that important and not that almighty and not that loving and good and 
all those things to progressives, to people who believe in this religion. They don't really see God as someone who's disturbed by sin or even cares if his people do it, which we know there's multiple passages. We know that God came because he hated sin, because he wanted to free his people from sin so we wouldn't do it. And so this is just so backwards. That's a big, big one to watch out for. The next one that I'm going to bring up right now is that progressive Christianity also makes Jesus and God out to be these floating figures in the sky, I'm air quoting right now, that are suffocating, vindictive, and unloving. So let's think about this for a minute. Everything we've just talked about, all the things that progressives believe in so far and what we should be on alert and um, stay away from, they have a root issue. I mean, yes, there's a lot of root issues. There's a lot of wrong things about this and I know that you're tracking with me and I know that you're probably pretty disturbed by this. But... Here's another root issue. People who believe in progressive Christianity or liberalism are completely ignoring the all-loving aspect of God's nature. So their beliefs that we have to do, do, do things to be saved. They believe that the Bible isn't sufficient and so on. All point to their belief that God isn't loving and good. Because let's think about it. If people truly believe that God was loving and good and only did things out of his love for us and the advancement of his glory, then why couldn't we all follow him and be satisfied in him alone and not run after this faulty form of religion, of belief? So I believe a lot of it comes down to our world not believing that Jesus is enough, that he's not loving and good in himself alone, that what he did on the cross was not enough. And that his word, even though it was written thousands of years ago, people believe that it is an old dusty book. Instead that we believe that it's timeless and that it's our guidebook for life. And people don't believe that the Bible is inerrant and it's infallible and that it will always be right. And so that's a big thing is that progressives don't really believe that God is out for our best good you know our good like we like we know as christians doesn't always mean that life's going to be sunshine and rainbows promotions followers on instagram good times good health good will mean whatever god deems is good whatever leads to us being more like him it may may be going through some hurt but that's what people don't understand in this faulty form of religion is that God is actually loving and good even though all of these other factors in the world. So that's a big one. The last one we're going to talk about right now is that progressive Christianity preaches this thing called collective salvation. So what does collective salvation mean, you ask? Good question. It is a concept that someone made up. It's a belief that God restores whole cultures and cities and societies in a socioeconomic structure, much like Marxism. Yikes. Did you remember your history lessons just now and cringe? Because same. Basically, Marxism is a lot like communism and socialism. It's it's just no good. You can look that up on, on your own time, but what we're talking about here is collective salvation. Yes, the Bible is clear that God redeems and saves individuals who declare and confess Jesus Christ as their Savior. Like, we know that. God does that. But the Bible is also clear that it is a personal act and that through Jesus, we all have to make a choice for ourselves. You know, progressive Christianity, they this idea of collective salvation they think that if um let's say here john over here who lives in new york city if he you know believes in god or believes in this form of christianity that everyone else in john's apartment complex or in john's city will be saved 
It just, but it just can't be one man in New York City that believes in God and then saves the whole entire community or saves the whole entire United States. It can't be like the president believing in God in this form of progressive Christianity and then somehow God saves and restores and um, sends everyone in the United States to heaven. That's just not how it works. We do serve a loving God that saves and restores and that wants to give us life in heaven and relationship with him, but it is not through collective salvation. That's really just a cop-out if we think about it. It's it's um, a belief that we don't all have to surrender, lay down our lives, take up our crosses and follow God. It's lazy, inactive faith. So basically, here's some key points. After talking about some of the main points, we could dive into this way more, but those are some of the biggest points about progressive liberalism, liberal Christianity that you need to know, that we all need to know and be wary of because it is all around us. Okay, so key points. If you don't have a divine Jesus, and if you reduce it to moralism and self-sufficiency and no real sin, then Jesus, his true gospel, isn't really saving. That's what all of progressivism really boils down to. If all of that's true, then that means that Jesus' gospel isn't enough. Progressives will say the cross is just a nice symbol, an example. Jesus was a nice example, but it's not the good news. It's not enough. We don't need him. We don't have a sin problem. All of these things. There's science, politics, and increasing knowledge in 2021, in the 21st century, in the 21st century, that's better than a dusty book on your shelf called the Bible. That's what they believe. It becomes all up to us to be our own savior. And that's so scary. It becomes about what we feel is best, our emotions. And we all know, man, I just having some major emotions this week about the wedding coming up and just this crazy ice storm we're having and no power potentially until the wedding and I was having some crazy emotions but if I let my emotions control me how horrible would that be to dictate every aspect of my life what if we did not have truth to ground our lives on so progressives believe that truth is what we believe in that moment what we feel what our flesh tells us to do even if it's sin this isn't good news this isn't the gospel, which means good news. This is a false gospel. And so I hope you're tracking with me. I hope this isn't too much information at once. I could have really dove a little bit deeper into this, but I just wanted to lay the groundwork of what progressive Christianity is, its dangers, how we can spot it, because we all follow people online. We all go to church. We all hear things in books or wherever from other people. And we need to be Christians that are on guard, that are armored up, and that are diligent. And so that's just my hope for the episode. But right now, I wanted to move into the last couple sections of the episode, and that would be some passages. So I want to look at the Bible, and I want to show you, I want to, for us to come together and look at verses from God's Word, which we know is truth as Christians, and that affirm true Christianity, and that debunks debunks that's a weird word debunks progressive christianity so basically let's look at some verses right now um come back to these and write them down if you'd like but let's just mull over them together and um these will just prove that progressive christianity is anything but truth so the first one john 14 6 jesus says i am the way the truth and the life no one comes to the father except through me so right here jesus didn't say that he would show us a way he said that he is the way Jesus didn't promise to teach us a truth or a set of truths. He said that he is the truth. And Jesus didn't offer us the secrets to life. He said that he is the life. That is completely opposite of what progressive Christianity says. Jesus is the only way to God. Just like the gospels say too that Jesus 
calls his people to enter through the narrow gate. Remember those parables about the narrow and the wide gates and the narrow and the wide doors and all of those things. And so Jesus says that not many people are going to find this narrow gate because it's on a path that a lot of people don't take and people will find that wide gate because it's open and it looks nice. But you know what? Jesus is the only way to God the only path to returning back to God after falling away from him in the beginning. So remember Adam and Eve, after they sinned and sent humanity into a spiral, they needed something. Humanity needed something. We tried to do sacrifices in the Old Testament. People tried to do sacrifices to cover for their sin. That worked for a while. And then Jesus came. He was sent by his father, God. And he said, I am the only path now. I am the only path and I was always the only path. I was preparing you for my son to come. And so like progressive Christians say that there's multiple different paths. Um, be a good person. Um, do good things. Love your neighbor. Um, you know, you know, just uh, be a good person. Get good grades. Uh, make a lot of money. Uh, give back to a lot of people. All of these moralistic, legalistic things. But Jesus tells us that he's the truth and the word itself and the life through his resurrection and salvation. So progressives believe too that it's not fair, like Jesus isn't fair to say that there's only one way, that it's limiting and rude to people who have other ways that they believe in, right? Like believe whatever you want to do or believe whatever you want to believe, you do you, you know, speak your truth. But here's the thing, Jesus is the truth, he is the only truth and it's not limiting, it's beautiful because we know, he's, he's told us that he is the way, the truth and the life and he said that no other ways will lead to the Father. And so it's not limiting. It's amazing that Jesus showed us the only way. We have the opportunity. It's just that many of us want to run to other things in this world. But no matter what anyone thinks, this truth stands the test of time. Throughout the Old Testament and the New, God repeatedly, repeatedly situated himself as the only God, the only way. He debunked other small gods, you know, little g, little g gods, and idols and faulty saviors. This is a really cool quote I found from a man, last name of Dodds, and it said, It is not through believing certain propositions regarding Jesus, nor through some special kind of faith, but through Jesus. I just love, love, love that. The next verse we're going to look at is Ephesians 2, 8 through 9. We've talked about this one before talking about how we've been saved by grace through faith and that it's not of ourselves, it's the gift of God. And so this is a gift that's to the undeserving, which is all of us, all of mankind. There's no one that deserves it. And it's not just even our faith that saves us, but grace. It's grace plus our faith. It's God's grace plus our faith. And so God alone deserves the glory since it's his gift. Again, this debunks the lie that we can earn our faith, that we can be good to earn our faith, like progressive Christianity says, or do good things and you will get this reward. That is the prosperity gospel as well. We could do another episode on that. But that's countercultural to the progressive belief because it takes a lot of the self-sufficiency and credit. So I just want to also just remind you that progressive Christianity and the prosperity gospel, all of those things are one and the same. But Romans 3.23 also says, um, this is one of my favorite verses. It sounds weird to say that, that this would be a favorite verse, but for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So remember what progressives think about sin, remember? It boils down to a belief that humanity really isn't that bad, that they're not sinful, they're not evil, we're good people. Mm, you know, but the Bible never says that. We've all sinned and fallen short of the standard that God has placed. This isn't to make ourselves, you know, beat ourselves up, but to humbly put ourselves in the right place. 
Why? Because if we had pride thinking that we were okay on our own, thinking we were good, we wouldn't need Jesus. And then we wouldn't come to know his loving, caring, and promising heart for us. So Jesus wants us to come to terms with our humanity and the fact that we are sinful and broken, but then he wants us to turn and follow him turn away from that life of sin and brokenness and not let it hinder us and live anew, which is so, so different. Romans 10, 9 says too, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So Jesus being Lord, Lord means master. It means complete authority over something or someone and someone who deserves all control and all power. He is not, Jesus is not just a good guy like progressive Christians believe. He's not just an example, a good prophet. Jesus is Lord, L-O-R-D, capital L-O-R-D. Titus 3, 5 says, He, meaning Jesus, saved us not because of the works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit. I love this verse. It's very simple. Jesus, God, Jesus through God saved us not because of anything we did, but because of his gift and his mercy by washing of the Holy Spirit. And this also just not only tells us that God's gift of salvation was a gift and that it was free and not from us, it also ties in the Trinity. Because remember, progressive Christianity doesn't really believe in the value of the Trinity or just that any of them are really holy or divine. The next verse I want to talk about is John 3, 36. It says, whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. Whoever does not obey the Son will not see life, but the wrath of God remains on him. So pretty cut and dry. Um, those who believe and obey Jesus have eternal life. Those who don't, do not. This debunks the myth of collective salvation, right? Like we were just talking about that. One of the second to last points I think we talked about is that Progressives believe that, you know, everyone can be saved. There's the potential for collective salvation by city, by, by, by nation, you know, by race. Um, but this is pretty cut and dry. Jesus makes salvation very personal. When he died on the cross and he stretched out his arms for you, Jesus said, I am dying for you. He said that to everyone in the world. It wasn't just like one person. I just want one person to believe in me and then I'll save everyone. No, think about it. When you're in a relationship, a loving relationship with someone, you want them to want you back and to choose you back. And that's why Jesus gave us the choice. And so this completely debunks it. Jesus promises us that whoever believes in him will have eternal life. Second Timothy 2, 3 through 4 says, For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but will have itching ears that will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. Oof. That one has been sticking with me a lot. I've been just studying 2 Timothy for a while. And itching ears basically just means that they're antsy. They can't sit still. They are hungry. They will let anyone tickle their ears with anything they want to hear. And so this is just a reminder to re just to remember that progressive Christianity will tell you anything you want to hear. It'll tell you something to tickle your ears, to give you something that's entertaining and that feels good. But then it'll lead us down a path of turning away from listening to the truth and wandering off into these myths. Myths are made up things. This is what that is. And so that is a really good reminder. The second 
to last verse I want to talk about is Matthew 24, 24. And they're talking about false Christs and false prophets that will arise and they will perform great signs and wonders, but they'll also lead people astray, even people who know God. So again, progressives believe, you know, their beliefs may look good. They may, like this passage say, look impressive. People may do signs and wonders and miracles and it'll look flashy. Amazingly written sermons, feel good things, but whether people realize it or not, progressive Christians that believe, that really believe this, their substance is empty and it will lead people down the path of destruction. It'll lead us down a path that isn't the way, the truth, and the life. It's a hard thing to grasp and I don't know, I feel like I'm kind of coming off as gloom and doom in this episode, but I think we need to be on guard. This is serious. It's, um, it's not just a matter of chump change or uh, just something that'll wash away in a day. It's a matter of salvation. And um, my prayer is that you would come here and that you would know, love, and live God's word. And you'd be equipped to live your faith boldly, to know God's word and know deeply what he means and how he intends you to live. So that's just a little rant. But last verse I want to talk about is 1 Corinthians 1.18. And it says, For the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it's the power of God. So I really appreciate how Paul puts it here. This verse is a little sobering and a little bit sad, a little serious, but basically he's telling us that to those who don't truly know and love God, the cross, the true gospel, it's folly, it's craziness, it's empty, it's almost laughable. It's laughable to people that don't really know God. But to those, to us, who have been shown God's mercy and love in its truest form and have put our trust in him, It's powerful. It's life-giving. It opens our eyes to something new. I think this just encourages me and I pray it encourages you to just pray more and more for people who have been sucked into these philosophies, into this progressive belief. I just, what we believe as Christians can be seen as crazy and idiotic and stupid and just unthinkable. People will laugh at us. People will not understand. They'll call us hypocrites. They'll call us over-spiritualized and all these things. But we just have to remember that we cannot waver from it, that we've found the way, the truth, and the life. And, you know, I don't want to come across as saying that we have to hate people who believe these progressive beliefs because, you know, they've been sucked into it or they have not been changed by the true gospel. And so we, our job is to love them, is to love them into the genuine way, truth and life of Jesus Christ. But it's also to be on guard against the teachings, not necessarily the people. Yes, the people, if they come at us, but we need to be armed up so that we can stand firm in our faith because it's a matter of representing Christ. It's a matter of holding to his word because that is our life. And so still being able to love people that feel this way because we know that they're lost, but they we also know that God's bigger than these things and that God can restore someone's heart that is in the middle of these empty myths and philosophies. So I want to talk about a few practical ways to wrap up the episode of how to personally guard your heart against these progressive beliefs and basically not be deceived. So it's really hard, even as strong Christians, like even myself, like I found myself being a little bit confused by what a pastor will say or someone on social media and be like, okay, that sounds good, but is it really true? Or I believe things in my life and I've, you know, God has later convicted me. He's like, that's not my truth. And so 
and just want to give us a few um, practical tips and areas how to personally guard your life. So, because we need to be on guard every single day. We need to armor up, like Ephesians 6 tells us to armor up in the armor of God, because there's so many flaming arrows coming at you, sis, friend. And so let's just dive into the first one. And so the first one, it comes from 2 Peter 3, um, verses 17 through 18. And Peter is saying that we need to take care that we're not carried away by the error of lawless people and lose our stability. So he warns us, and then here is his answer. Here is how he says to stand firm against these progressive beliefs or empty philosophies. He says, grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. So you will notice, though, that the passage doesn't say anything about grace growing. It doesn't say that grace like itself as grace grows because there's a vast difference between grace growing and growing in grace. God's grace, like the element of God's grace, it never increases because he's given it to us in full. It's always infinite. So we cannot possibly have more. It's always everlasting and bottomless and shoreless. So like Spurgeon says, God's grace can't be more. The text tells us, this verse in Second Peter says that we have to grow in grace. And Spurgeon says, we are in the sea of God's grace. We cannot be deeper in a sea, but let us grow now that we are in it. I hope that makes sense. You can go back and listen to that again. But this basically just encourages us to swim in God's grace, to rest in God's grace every single day and what he has given us in that grace and then seek to grow in our faith in grace if that makes sense not to grow and keep compounding grace because we already have it but to grow in the sea of god's grace when we know that we are covered in god's grace we can be free to grow and also grow in knowledge this means knowing more about jesus but more importantly knowing that jesus is our savior our personal friend and growing in that personal relationship and you know that comes from reading your word getting a community praying all the things that we've talked about The next tip is really practical and it comes from Matthew 7 where Jesus says that we will recognize teachers and people just in general by their fruits. So we need to pay attention to the fruit of our own lives, not just everyone else, our own lives too, and others that we're listening to and and living around. So a few things to look out for when you're looking for fruit, meaning the evidence of people's faith and their trust in the real God and not progressive Christianity. So here are a few things. The first one is that person's manner of living or your manner of living. Do they, do I show righteousness, humility, and faithfulness in the way that I live? Do I live that line? Do I live in a way that lines up with the word? And we can't know that unless we do know the word. The second one is the content of their teaching or our teaching. Is it true fruit from God's word or is it man-centered? not God-centered, and does it appeal to ears that want to be tickled? Again, like that verse in 2 Timothy says, is it just throwing stuff out that feels good, or are we getting to the truth? The third one to watch out for is the effect of their teaching. Are people growing in Jesus when they hear these words, when they hear what they're saying, or merely just being entertained and then eventually falling away? Because yes, a pastor is not in charge of our spiritual growth. A friend is not in charge of our spiritual growth. But a true Christian, if they're speaking from the word, speaking from the truth, God will use that truth to sanctify and to really solidify in us in our faith. So if people are falling away, 
that is a that is an area and a and a pause for concern. So the next tip, second to last tip I'm going to give us is from Proverbs 4:23, a very popular verse that encourages us to guard our hearts. So basically, guarding means protecting your heart because it's valuable in Christ. Um, because God has saved you as a Christian, it has value. It has a new life regenerated into it. Like Jeremiah you know, that famous passage in Jeremiah encourages us and reminds us is that our heart is deceitful. And so even though we made positionally perfect in Christ, we still struggle with sin and our hearts can still be reeled into to gunk and crap like this. So um, we just need to remember that pollution needs to be rid of our hearts. And so with all diligence, that verse says that we need to guard our hearts with all diligence. So that means that it implies that it isn't necessarily easy. This isn't easy to guard our hearts. So Practically, guarding our hearts means being alert, not slacking off or forgetting to armor up in the truth and pray. And guarding means when anything that is not from God is trying to weasel its way into our hearts, that we guard against it and we use the sword of the spirit, which is God's word. And we use God's truth to combat it because if we let it in our hearts, it's going to invade in every little nook and cranny. The last um, tip I would encourage you to do is to read Psalm 119 and let that be your baseline because this psalm is a beautiful psalm written by David and it talks about the beauty, benefits, and life found in God's word. Basically, it teaches us how to know, love, and live God's truth, which is our podcast byline, which is pretty stinking cool that lined up. (laughs) But basically... We need to see that Paul was right in 2 Timothy 3 when he said that the Bible is useful for everything. You know, progressive Christians believe that the Bible is outdated. It can be updated. It's outdated. It needs to be updated and that we can adapt it. But we need to get back to what is truth? How can I hold to truth? And that is God's word. And so Psalm 119 is my goal to really believe all of those things about the word. To wrap up, just one more thing, I promise. I'm going to give you a couple passages, actually there's a, quite a few, that um, you can either look up now while you're listening or come back to this episode when you have a pen and paper when you're doing your Bible study at this marker right here. I want to give you some passages to study on your own if you'd like. Passages that get back to the real gospel and real Jesus. So if maybe there were some things that you believed about Christianity that were progressive and after listening to this episode, you're like, dang, I want to I want to be reminded of what the true gospel is, what the truth is. These are some awesome passages for you to read. So I'm going to read them off to you. Write them down. Look them up when you have some spare time. I promise you. And if you do it with the Lord, he's going to remind you that this is truly the way, the truth, and the life. So here are some verses. John 3, 16 through 17. Ephesians 2, 8 through 10. 1 Peter 3, 18 through 22. 2 Timothy 3, 16 through 17. John 6, 50 through 71. Colossians 2, 9. John 10, 30. John 1, 14, and really the whole chapter of John. Re- I mean, really read the whole chapter of all of these. Um, 2 Corinthians 1, 21 through 22. Ephesians 4, 4 through 6. Alrighty, friends. Wow. Phew. That was, that was an episode, man. I... I pray that it wasn't too overwhelming, that it was encouraging, that it was convicting, that it made your the wheels in your brain and your heart turn. Um, 
I've been really looking forward to doing this episode because not only have many people requested it, but I also just, God has really opened my eyes to how much progressive beliefs, how many progressive Christians are out there. And again, not to hate on these people, but to stand firm and to know these beliefs and to know what actual truth is so that we can stand up against the lies in this world. So I pray that this spoke to your heart. If this is something that you believe would help someone else in your life, please make sure to take a screenshot and share it to your Instagram stories and just tag this podcast account and my personal account and let's just encourage other people to be rooted in God's word and to be Christians who know God and that know how to stand up against the things that are trying to tear us down because these things in this world not only progressive Christianity and their beliefs are trying to make us less effective for the kingdom the enemy wants to use them to steal your fire for the Lord to steal your affection and your devotion for him and so we need to know and I pray that this episode was just another reason source to help you just be discerning and to continue on this journey of knowing God for who he is and and loving him for what he is alone and knowing that he's enough so thank you so much for listening and joining this packed episode with me it was such a blessing to be able to sit down and talk to you about this if you enjoyed this podcast if you have been loving this podcast it would be the greatest gift in the world if you could take a moment and leave a rating and review on apple podcast for truth talks with tara if god has used this podcast in any way which again to him be all the glory we're simply just the megaphones and i'm thankful that god is speaking his truth through here i would just really be appreciative of your ratings and reviews because they help the podcast reach higher in the charts which it's not about the numbers but it's about more people seeing and hearing about the lord so thank you for taking the time to do that without any more of your time again thank you for being here thank you for listening i love you sweet sister and i love your devotion to god and your hunger to hear from him i will see you in next week's episode